वी ऑल हैव अ वेरी सिंगल इंट्रोडक्शन वी ऑल ऑल हर चिल्ड्रेन एंड देर इज द ओनली आइडेंटिटी दैट वी नीड टू रिमेम्बर ऑल अदर आइडेंटिटीज आर ए सोर्स ऑफ प्रॉब्लम्स एंड द वन आइडेंटिटी विच इज अवर ट्रू आइडेंटिटी इटर्नल आइडेंटिटी फॉर एवर आइडेंटिटी विच वी हैव टू ट्राई टू बिकम मोर एंड मोर रियलाइज मोर एंड मोर इज अ सिंपल फैक्ट दैट वी आर ऑल इक्वली हर चिल्ड्रेन एंड इन दैट लाइज द सोर्स ऑफ स्ट्रेंथ एंड पीस एंड जॉय एंड ट्रूथ एंड लाइट एंड लाफ्टर and the divine sananda and when we forget that then we have another kind of difficulty shobindo describes it very beautifully in savitri talking of man um i know the topic is psychic being and the evolving body it will come somewhere <laughs> you know one thing uh shobindo <clears throat> in savitri describing the human condition says a link between the demigod and the beast a strange antinomy is his nature's rule a riddle of opposites is made his field what is this riddle of opposites freedom he asks but needs to live in bonds he has need of darkness to perceive a little light and need of grief to feel a little bliss this is our life again very beautifully shobindo describes it in even more simpler terms in a small little poem a tree a tree beside the sandy river beach holding to heaven holding to the skies its topmost boughs like fingers to the heaven they cannot reach this is the soul of man his body and brain hungry for earth his heavenly flight detain mother makes it even more simpler for us she says man has one leg in animality the other in humanity and yet he is a candidate for divinity this is the problem which we have to solve this is the riddle the riddle of opposites the great riddle which we have to solve for which we are here upon earth and if we don't solve this riddle and we may solve most complex problems write great books create new systems of philosophy throughout new sects and there have been plenty of them but yet if this riddle is not solved the problem which seems to be as if antagonistic aspects of life one matter and earth the second the skies and heaven and constantly man's soul hangs like as if on a cross nailed to the cross forever that is the son of god who has descended on earth for solving this particular riddle and uh, if you look at our own life we discover these many contradictions in which we are living constantly and yoga is essentially to resolve these these contradictions so far the whole idea of yoga has been to escape from one contradiction into the other by negating one and accepting the other by refusing earth and accepting heaven or what we all normally do by refusing heaven and accepting the earth 
but both are one half of a whole truth it's a total truth and it is precisely because to manifest to combine the two to unite the two that shurabindu brings in this idea of a life divine that in matter it is possible to implant heaven's truth upon earth so what is the difficulty we all speak about shurabindu ascent uh, shurabindu breaking through the lead and bringing down the supramental force on earth and we hear this side of the story but there is another side of the story in which we have a role to play and that side of the story is shurabindu preparing the ground on earth to receive that light which is even more important because very often we hear about the supramental descent and its action and uh, change of matter and transformation of the cells but we forget that there is another thing this bed which has to be made ready which is the work of the psychic being in man and uh, this work is very beautifully in in his poem a god's labor shubhendra speaks about this work where he says i have been digging deep and long mid a horror of filth and mire a bed for the golden river song a home for the deathless fire coercing my godhead i have come down into this sordid earth ignorant laboring human grown twixt the gates of death and birth he who would bring the heavens here must descend himself into clay and the burden of earthly nature bear and tread the dolorous way this problem of matter receiving the light receiving the truth and transforming by its pressure this is the problem that shurabindu has come to solve because matter so far has been shaped under the pressure of the forces of life and mind and therefore it has evolved in itself what we term as animal existence and there is nothing wrong with animal existence but the problem is that whenever divine perfection wants to manifest in life the animal existence immediately gives it a very different shape a very different uh, you altogether the the mother has uh, when when the supramental descent took place the mother says that uh, when the gates were open and the golden light rushed down i thought that everybody here would be flat by the pressure and i saw everybody was stiff in a kind of rigid posture of meditation and uh, she saw how the waves from the earth the waves of inconscient rose up to engulf to try to swallow that supramental truth this is the response of matter to the light every time it has descended it refuses to change it gives its its own you and truth forms a new religion starts a new sect shobindo beautifully again speaking of it in savitri says hard is it to persuade earth's nature's change mortality bears ill the immortal touch it fears its pure divine intolerance its assault of ether and of fire almost with hate repels the light that it brings the cross it gives in payment for the crown when the divine comes to bring down this light matter responds very poorly what it does when strength enters into our system instantly it is turned into anger this is the problem of god you know we 
always tell the divine our problems that i have this problem that problem and after that we refuse to listen the divine's problem so shirobindo comes to tell us the divine side of the story that look what i want to create and how matter is behaving how it responds so when strength enters into our system it degrades immediately into anger when love descends into our system it immediately turns into lust into the petty desires and clingings and dependencies things which never end and very soon this love turns into hate very soon it turns into its opposite and it's very common to see we don't don't have to go very far um, i think uh, you most of the films the dramas of life how the comedies turn very soon into tragedies how the love begins to uh, disappear and only a mechanical relationship remains so that is because it does not sustain matter is not ready when bliss enters into earth nature it changes immediately into joy and suffering and indifference the triple disguise of bliss when light enters into our system it and it immediately degrades itself into informational knowledge intuition changes into a rigid intellectual truth whenever intuition comes down it rains man immediately converts it into a hard and bound uh, rigid intellectual truth a system from which there is no escape so every time truth and force and light have descended matter is unable to hold it and this is the problem and this is a it's not a small work so very very many times very casually we hear this famous statement of shirobindo all life is yoga and uh, as the mother says we use it almost as an excuse to do anything and everything because all life is yoga so whatever i do is yoga now all life <laughs> does not become yoga by leading the life the way anybody else leads life there has to be an inner change otherwise life will remain ordinary the ordinary basis of life is lived by the ego and by the powers of life and mind that is the ordinary life this matter is driven by the power of life and what it becomes a life of desires strength and power when power enters it becomes desire that is the degradation that takes place it's a craving which enters into the heart of life similarly life is driven many times by mind by the force of mind in in some people force of reason we try to be reasonable human beings we try to balance we try to find truth but through the power of reason which is a very insecure light very inadequate light and the result is this being which the mother has described which we just heard little while ago man is a cross he has one leg in animality the other in humanity yet is a candidate for divinity so what is the real work the work is that so far this matter which is like a hardware which runs only on windows 95 with lot of bugs this has to be upgraded or we can take another example the bullock cart now bullock cart cannot run by steam because you try to put steam either the bullock will get burnt <laughs> or the <laughs> cart will not move we don't understand the divine's problem we just think supramental force is descended and now straight away some cellular changes will begin to appear and we will become physically immortal but there is lot of things to be done when someone asks shurbindra about this that oh sir you are you must be moving in the supramental heights shurbindo says not with the supramental and empyrean am i busy but in with the mud 
what will happen when the supramental descent the fuse will blow out who is there ready to receive the supramental when mother was asked about this mother said my child you are small very small very very small we live in a very small circle of the ego the supramental cannot find room in it you have to become wide very wide this wideness is not the wideness of the waste paper basket because when we think of becoming wide we think oh i am very wide so i can read poetry go in the in the morning when i get up i pray and meditate in the afternoon i read some poetry then uh, i am very wide so i go for watching a hollywood movie that's very fine and i am so wide that in the evening i am sitting in the bar after divine is everywhere why not but that is nothing but fooling ourselves it is a serious work the mother would say yoga is like touching fire and it burns and it hurts it also purifies the same fire which gives light and warmth from a distance can burn us very badly when we are very near it and that is why the mother used to recommend one mistake you should never do in your life you may do all other mistakes but even by mistake don't tell the divine that i want to be yours because you may say it casually and forget but the divine takes it very seriously and then nothing in the world can keep you apart there is no other choice but to go full throttle whole heartedly and become one if we don't become one there will be a problem these inherent contradictions are bound to come up because that is these are the the animal consciousness and the so called human consciousness usually the petty human consciousness is driving this mud engine and when that drives this mud engine it very soon begins to flag that is the reason for illnesses that is the reason for disease that is the reason why all kinds of disharmony appear within us which get reflected outside us and uh, how does it get reflected it's another very fascinating study um if we really look at life we see the people we meet the places we go the circumstances the events the situation they are nothing but a reflection of the inner life it's very interesting we often feel that it is the outer circumstance which determines our inner state but the mother turns it other way around she says it is the inner circumstance inner consciousness which determines the outer circumstance every one whom we meet in life is some reflection of a part of ourselves and the relationships that we have in life are some way the mirror something within us it's like nature trying to tell us that look here is this in you here is that in you and this whole house has to be set in order before we can really really invoke the supramental light for any kind of transformation and who can set this house in order certainly not the ego because ego is like i don't know how the parliament functions here but i know about how the parliament functions in india and i know generally how political systems work there is a government and there is an opposition there is a ruling party and there is an opposition party and they are always unless there is rare situation they are usually at cross with each other and the task of the ego is okay okay you also have your say okay you also have your say so i have a little of shirbindra and the mother a little of <laughs> my own ego and that does not make life a yoga it it makes us remain always a cross 
we remain a cross between the demigod and the beast so that is what throws up as problems of life it throws up as illnesses it throws up as imbalances as disharmonies which we try to somehow work out we tie one part and another part comes out at another time this part goes in the background another comes out but the only way to introduce some kind some semblance of order in this disorderly ordered existence that's how shubhendra describes our inner life is by bringing forward the psychic being it is this which can truly organize our life in the way it should be organized it can change it can to begin with it begins to change our thoughts and emotions it changes our desires and passions it begins to change our will our hopes our expectations and it also begins to change the matter and makes it ready to receive the divine grace therefore the immense significance of the psychic being especially at this stage of evolution even till now it is the psychic being which has been carried forward the which has been carrying forward the evolution but not as a being but as a divine spark in matter the mother when she speaks of the story of creation she says very beautifully that when these powers went forth to create they cut themselves off from the divine origin and fell into a vast darkness and from there a cry arose that we are cut off we are alone rescue sos and at the cry of that sos the divine plunged himself into matter this plunging of the divine into the inconscience created crystallized itself as matter matter is nothing but a little spark of the divine a little point of light around which there is this darkness of inconscience that becomes matter matter that is the origin of matter and this little spark is the one which has been struggling and growing and laboring to bring out the powers which are hidden in the inconscient those very powers which are lost into the crypt of darkness from the origin of creation these powers the mother tells us were light love bliss and truth and they plunged into the darkness turned into their very opposite that is why life is what it is today not light but darkness not truth but falsehood not bliss but suffering not love and consciousness but hatred repulsion and unconsciousness and this little point of light this being no bigger than the thumb of man is the one which is for time sempiternal laboring doing its silent tapasya its invocation so that gradually this matter may evolve and how it does it it identifies itself with matter with each level of consciousness being there it experiences it and being there it invokes the light and that is how these powers begin to get rescued from the inconscience so life begins to awake yet an ignorant life consciousness begins to climb yet an unconscious consciousness if one may say so truth begins to emerge yet mixed with error and falsehood which is ignorance love begins to take shape in matter yet a love which is besieged with hatred yet a love which readily turns into by the pull of the inconscient into its opposite so in our being we see these two opposing tendencies constantly 
a pull towards the inconscious from which with great struggle the evolutionary journey is going on and an attraction of the above. This is constantly in every human being. In some the pull is much more active, in some the attraction for the above is more active. And in most of us both are there creating a grand contradiction of sort. And the only way to come out of this impasse, one way is the traditional path of yoga where instead of trying to resolve this problem, we simply use one or the other aspect that has already evolved in matter to pass out of existence. That is the traditional yoga. One may use the power of mind and by an intense concentration on what is truth, not this, not this appearance, not this appearance, not this appearance, not this appearance. The mind keeps on meditating on the eternal and passes out of existence. Or by the yoga of pure bhakti. I mean, the only the emotional being, not the bhakti of the psychic being, but, but what is traditionally regarded as bhakti yoga. The emotions turn towards only the one beloved who alone is worth loving and by doing it again passes out of existence into an ecstatic uh, adoration of the Divine Beloved. Or the Yoga of Karma Yoga, this much abused term which one keeps hearing every time. Karma Yoga is not being restlessly busy with work. It's not that if 24 hours of my day, if I am working, I am doing Karma Yoga. I may be just restlessly driven by the ego. There is no Yoga without the Divine in it. Yoga means divine. It is a union with the divine. It is only when karma is done as a consecration to the divine that it becomes karma yoga. Otherwise, it is not karma yoga, but karma bhoga. Doing karma for the sake of egoistic bhoga. And it's all right. There is nothing wrong. This is how human life is organized. But we should know what is what and not you know give it a very nice name because your own mind has a tendency to give a very nice name for everything. For our sweet inadequacies and uh, so karma yoga is the turning of the will towards the one will governing the universe and by constantly identifying with it in all these three cases we break from the limited shell of the ego and pass out of existence but what happens to this life which is struggling to emerge out of inconscience what happens to light and truth and love and bliss which have plunged into the darkness and are struggling to emerge. What happens to the fate of creation? What happens to the work of God in time and space? What happens to the seed of heaven which is implanted into this inconscience? So this is the riddle which Shurabindu comes to solve. He says that is possible only if we invoke that, identify with that in us which has been doing this tapasya for centuries and millenniums from the time that creation has become. That is why one of the signs of identification with the psychic is there is a simultaneous living in the moment as well as in the eternity. One never gets frustrated. A person who is identified with the psyche will never get frustrated. Oh my God, my life is coming to a close. What will happen to my yoga? He will not uh, start, uh, you know, doubting and oh, I have done 30 years of sadhana and I don't see even a single cell undergoing a transformation, so shall I change the path? These are all signs that we are living in the ego and the surface consciousness. For the simple reason that the psychic being is the one which has been doing this yoga not from today or this life. It has been doing this yoga since creation began. 
and it knows it's a long journey. It knows it very well. In fact, when people speak about transformation and doubt it, then uh, a very simple and straight reply is, in fact, there is nothing else happening in this world but transformation. If you, if we see the story of life, there is nothing else but transformation. There is a series of transformations out of chaos and primordial darkness emerges matter. This is the first transformation. And matter, with matter emerges the power of inertia and stability. Because that is the basis for all creation. After that, after long time, there is another transformation. And that transformation is the emergence of life in matter. With that, one paradox, one riddle is solved. Because life is movement and growth. And material existence is inertia and stability. To harmonize inertia with movement is a problem that the divine has already solved. Very beautifully. Because much before the motor cars were made and jet engines were made, matter had begun to walk and crawl and fly and swim and do everything that we marvel at so many inventions of man's mind. But these are nothing but a very faint reflection of what nature has achieved millenniums, uh, millions of years back. The creation of life in matter. It's already done. The next transformation comes when life in matter itself undergoing a series of transformations begins to think. Who thinks? It's matter which thought has begun to run and take off. Now the ground of matter has become capable of taking off of the engines of thought. Shobindo describes this very, very beautifully in great technical detail. You know, sometimes it can really be highly technological. He says, <coughs> uh, people think that, you know, it is just like a magic. But it's not like that. A structure has to be created in matter to support the process of life. How does that structure emerge? We see in plant, there are little, little uh, things, you know, like tubes through which the material vital sap can come up. But it is not enough to support the force of life in full vigor. So these little filaments change over a period of time into nerve cells. And these nerve cells can conduct life. It's like, you know, the air the helipad has become converted into a small airfield. So these small aircrafts can start taking off. These nerve cells over a period of time have to undergo a change to support the force of mind which is much faster. Life is fast but force of mind is much faster. Sitting here in thought, we can be in Singapore on the other side of the world. This is the power of thought. It travels faster than light. Right this moment. Thought can reach into the other end of space. My, I mean, our body cannot because it moves very slowly. Even the force of life cannot carry us so fast. So the whole structure of body had to undergo a new modification. The nerves and the... Uh, so that brain, a complex uh, organi organization of nerves can arise so that the force of mind can take off. And how does this evolutionary transformation begin, become possible? Uh, if we look at the biological basis of human body, we see that before human existence, this, the nerve cells, they conduct, they link with each other through chemicals. And in human brain, they begin to link themselves through electricity. So already kind of electrical wiring begins to take place. The nerve cells undergo a modification so that the force of mind can enter into it. 
how much more work is required for the supramental force to permeate matter we sometimes become very impatient and impatience is a very clear sign that we are very far from the psychic just as depression frustration these are very clear signs that we have moved far away from the psychic the very the moment one unites with it one is willing to work for eternities one is happy one doesn't uh, i mean if somebody would tell a person who is identified with the psychic being that oh this yoga will it happen in 1000 years so he will not say oh i don't know it seems to be that you know i don't know i have got into this path i can't come out of this <laughs> i have to go through it rather he would say oh 1000 more years to serve my beloved what a beauty what a joy one one doesn't have the fear one has the joy always in every situation every circumstance the divine ananda begins to awake in this very stuff of body because that is the very nature of the psychic so it is this which is necessary and indispensable basis for the evolutionary transformation it is because of its presence shobindo says very beautifully that regards the icon go, growing by its gaze and in the warm forces the coming god this matter has been evolving because this of the psychic presence and this presence gradually grows and in human being at a certain point of evolution begins to become like a prince who has become 18 years and now can take charge of his kingdom it is then that it begins to become a psychic being it is not it become a being it is still a psychic consciousness but a little flame and uh, we can take the analogy of the little prince becoming a full grown prince before that life mind and body are ministers governing the kingdom of nature and they do their task as well as they can some are good ministers some are bad ministers but when the psychic being awakes it says now this is my kingdom and i want to reclaim it for the divine that's when there is a problem there is no problem when you are not doing yoga <clears throat> in ordinary life there is no problem there are no conflicts but we should not mistake this absence of conflict for an evolution this absence of conflict is the absence of conflict of an animal spontaneity animals don't have conflicts they do what they feel like doing they live in the now in the present <laughs> without reading the famous book <laughs> they are not philosophers but they live in the present but then that is an animal life they that is an identification with lower nature they are surrendered to the lower nature so if an animal feels like just uh, moving around and barking a dog barks it does not feel oh will it hurt it's not fair for me to bark if i bite he may have rabies this poor fellow has to take tetanus he doesn't feel like that or if it wants to just move with a dog wants to move with a bitch he just goes you know he doesn't think twice there is no conflict but this is not a divine life this is far from it it's an animal life it's an animal spontaneity from animal spontaneity we have to go to the divine spontaneity and in between there is a passage when conflicts begin to emerge conflicts begin to emerge because the psychic being shows us that's where we have to go but mind and life and body they resist they are like ministers who have held the kingdom in charge they have been taking the taxes and keeping it with us with themselves they have never passed it on to the government treasury 
or if they pass on, they pass on a small fraction and the rest they keep to themselves. There is a very touching letter of Sri Aurobindo to Marilani Ji, his wife, where he says, So far, I think I have been like a thief. I am keeping two annas with my, uh, uh, I am keeping 14 annas with myself and giving two annas of God. You read that letter and you will feel like crying because when is Sri Aurobindo writing it? When he is already living for the sake of something much vaster than himself. Then he is writing this. And one must say that if Sri Aurobindo calls himself a thief at that level, then we are uh, biggest robbers and scoundrels. <laughs> and this is the state. And this is the nature of life. This is the nature of matter, that any energy, any anything divine trying to move matter, it just keeps or passes on to the divine a very small fraction and the rest it just absorbs and gives it to inconscience. And that's why we find that, you know, uh, how these, I mean, this is a whole science in itself, how matter absorbs the spiritual energy and to what extent there are these types of matter, even material substances which are better absorbents of spiritual energies. There are types of matter which totally reflect spiritual energy. There are types of matter which uh, are like, you know, uh, our blockheads, which just don't receive any spiritual energy at all. This is a whole science, uh, which uh, many ancient people knew the reason why uh, this, um, what is that uh, pathar called? Sun marmar? Uh, marble. Marble was used in many of the constructions of cathedrals and temples because it's known to absorb these spiritual vibrations. So, but much of it, it just passes on to the unconscious. Similarly with life, it is a minister, good minister, it does its task, but it wants its dole and a heavy dole. And only a small fraction goes to the government treasury. That is the life of desire. We turn to God, have a little puja room, but uh, God is only meant to satisfy, like a genie in the bottle, my desires. The moment there is a God who says, no, I want you to conquer desires. Oh my God, this is a very inconvenient God. So, such a God is not very desirable in human homes, you know, because this is a very dangerous God. <laughs> so, this happens when we live by the power of life, because life doesn't want it. Similarly, mind, it wants God, but wants it to create, to become an intermediary, to create its system, to, to, to write an intellectual book, to give nice lectures and get all the acknowledgement and acclaim. This is the problem of mind and life and matter. And they do not surrender. When the psychic being enters, when the psychic consciousness enters and tells them, sees the mess, unless one awakens to the power of yoga, one doesn't see the mess inside one's being. One is all the time busy seeing mess everywhere, <laughs> except oneself. Even that one doesn't see. But the moment one touches the psychic light, it begins to show the mess. That is something very interesting, which many times we don't understand. We sometimes feel, oh, ordinary people are better. It's not true. It's just that it's an animal spontaneity. And the moment the psychic light begins to awaken, it begins to show the mess first around, then within. And what a mess it is. These three ministers have to learn to surrender themselves to the divine. Unless they have surrendered, there can be no next level of evolutionary transformation. Before man, the surrender was done naturally by the animal and material existence to spontaneous, uh, to, to material nature or lower nature. Now, we have to 
live in a state of surrender to the higher nature or super nature or uh, these two terms at least you know uh, i don't feel very comfortable with so surrender to the mother man is the intermediate term where he is becoming free from the clutch of the lower nature he wants to be free from the clutch of the na lower nature and he has to make a conscious surrender to the higher nature even if he doesn't do that ultimately the transformation is going to be because that is the only thing happening on earth and that is the inevitable logic of things but if he does not surrender it's going to be a very very painful process because this aadhar if it is not ready in one of the messages of uh, new year messages of the mother in 1967 she gives a message this wonderful world of delight waiting our at our gates to come down at our call so people used to ask questions and mother says you know for full one year this goddess of delight was waiting and not one single human being was ready to receive it so whenever we go to god with our problems that i don't have happiness we should remember that the divine wants to give us not just happiness we should have some respect for at least his magnanimity and his greatness it's like going to a uh, see this is the stupidity of our human consciousness it can think of only these things billionaire and trillionaire and asking him for 10 paisa or you know 10 cents or like that we should have some respect for the divine if we have to ask him we should ask him for delight he can give us that but we ask for petty joys small satisfaction of desires what is the result this engine never gets modified it remains the same frail mud engine fit for a careless use fit for a days careless use by ignorant powers this is how this uh, engine has been described it is lent for a days careless use so when this psychic being begins to step out it sees the mess and when it sees the mess it is horrified like all of us are horrified when we see the mess in the baby's room and what does it do then it has two options one option is that it says my god this is impossible let me find the nearest himalaya and uh, or you know one of the mountains and i want to just go there this passes beyond me this is what people have been doing so far and god has been continuing to struggle and suffer in matter because human consciousness does not support it the sanyasi runs away from this task he is busy with his separate salvation i don't ask me to sweep this floor this is very dirty it's your floor you sweep it and god does it it's not that he does it with great joy but there is this little being this little ansh of his what is called in the gita as mame vansh the part of me it is my, the divine's child who is playing in matter it is the one which is the son of god in man who is struggling and on the cross yet being on the cross it is changing humanity this is the divine essence in matter and you can imagine that for centuries whenever man has turned towards spiritual life it has seen the mess it's not that the yogis didn't see the mess they knew the mess very well therefore swami vivekananda says in one of his uh, letters that human nature is uh, like the crooked tail of a dog and it can never be straightened and you know they see the struggle in their own nature and they find the easy door of escape but shurabindo the mother they tell us that is not the way 
the way is to stay in matter to try to organize this life around the psychic impulse the psychic wants to give itself to the divine it must persuade the other parts of nature to give themselves to the divine only when it has made the crooked straight this is the task of the psychic according you know to one of the vedas it says it makes the crooked straight only when it has made the crooked straight and its light of sincerity shows us what all is hidden in a, in our you know abysses that it this aadhar can become ready to receive the light and force and ananda what are the results of this emergence of the psychic mother beautifully now it is there you know it's worthwhile reading and advice to newcomers actually she gave this for the international university center because the center was open and lot of people started coming and this was a long uh, uh, you know write up from the mother given to all newcomers because a lot of new people uh, used to come this is actually an advice to all newcomers to yoga this is when people first come to yoga they come with their psychic being in front and what are the results of this psychic being in the front it has its immediate results of progress fitness and health in the physical quiet and goodwill in the vital clear understanding in the mental that is the essence when it comes in front so everything appears wonderful everybody looks so beautiful so good so nice but after some times it recedes and the horror and the nightmare awakes now worse because we have seen the sun as long as we have not felt the touch of the psychic this nightmare is what we love you know like the pig who wants to remain for eternity in its sty because that is the heaven tell a pig that there is a better home no 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 sir this is look at this this mire is the real place the smell of this uh, uh, this you call it dirty smell this is the real smell the story of paramans that when three women fisher women uh, at it was late night they had sold their fishes and it was very late so they knocked at somebody's door and said sir can we sleep here said yes you can sleep and they went to sleep this was a man was a flower vendor morning they said my god we couldn't get sleep at all in your place he said why he said these smell of flowers my god all our fishes fish baskets were empty so they couldn't sleep because they couldn't bear the smell of flower it fears the pure divine intolerance of the assault of its ether and its fire this is our problem that this is the divine's problem he wants to give us delight we want little bit of joy and pleasure which with this result of pain he wants to give us love but we want that love which we call love which is nothing but a blind satisfaction of our instincts he wants to give us strength but we want strength to grab to possess he wants to give us power but his power surrendered for his work but we want the force of desire achieving things for us so when she says that what is to be done is each time we are thrown into this state of confusion each time we feel that uh, well life is become a mess we must know that actually we have drawn away from the psychic and what we have to do is instead of lamenting crying looking for help here and there we should invoke it and invoke it not so that it can escape because that is very easy but invoke it 
so that this may change within us. That is the work. We are not here to change anyone else. If we try to do that, we will keep receiving blows on our nose. And these blows can be very uncomfortable. But we are here to change ourselves. And to change ourselves means to offer ourselves to the Divine. And to the extent we can offer, life begins to change. And not only life, our body begins to become a fit and fit vessel and instrument of light and truth and ananda and life divine. Beautifully Sri describes in Savitri and we could, you know, stop with that and we can have a lot of questions and answers related to anything and everything. So Sri describing this evolutionary transformation in the body, in, in, in our most material consciousness, when the soul steps out in front, what happens? He says, immortal thoughts, the immortal's thought replaced our bounded view. What happens at the level of our thoughts? We normally have a very bounded view, very narrow view, very limited view. In place of it, the immortal's thoughts, the immortal's view. The immortal's thoughts displaced earth's drab idea and sense. Our drab idea and sense. A channel of the mighty mother's choice the immortal will took under its calm control the loose or erring government of life, once a republic of small wants and needs. And every act became an act of God. So once our life which is a blind and erring government and a loose republic of small wants and needs, that is replaced by our will becoming a channel of the mighty mother's choice. And what happens to our heart? He says, in the lotus of the heart, love chanting its pure and hymenial hymn made life and body mirrors of a secret joy. Joy is not banned in sadhana, but the joy that flows from the psychic made life and body mirrors of a secret joy and all emotions gave themselves to God. These emotions are no longer longing for this or that person but every person becomes part of that one love which flows from the Divine to the Divine. That is the definition of love Mother has given. And all emotions gave themselves to God. In the naval lotus, broad imperial reign, what dwells there? Home to our proud ambitions and master lusts were turned into instruments of a great calm's way to do a work of God on earthly soil. All our ambition and lust, this hankering after this or that, changes into one single will, that may I do your work in the world. This is the one and only aspiration that remains, one will, which becomes the reason of our existence, that may I serve thee, may I serve thee, may I serve thee. This is the only thing that, in place of ambition, this is what happens in the naval lotus. And what happens further down, in the nether lives, nether parts, nether natures, narrow parts, which was once a center for petty and dwarf desires, was changed into a sweet and boisterous play, a romp of little gods with life in time. So there is the laughter and ananda and everything, uh, like little gods playing in time. And in the deep place where once the serpent slept, there came a grip 
on matters, giant powers, for large utilities in life's little space, a firm ground was made for heaven's descending might. Behind all this stood her sovereign soul. This is the story of the soul working in matter from eternity, from the point where time began, fetching it out slowly by the aid of the divine grace, out of its utter inconscience to this level where we begin to consciously seek the divine. But is this the end of the journey? Should it withdraw now that it has worked so much? It is as foolish as a man after learning medicine says, okay, I have learnt all about medicine, now I don't want to go to a hospital. He has to come back to the hospital so that now he can treat the sick. So, this journey does not end. This is one half of the story. The second half of the story begins when we become aware or become increasingly aware of this growing psychic consciousness and turn it not heavenward but earthward so that this tree whose roots are sunk in matter go deeper than life, deeper than mind, right into the very core of matter and what lies in the core of matter is the same sun of the supramental truth which has been cast away in the, into this night. The Vedas have used a story for this that there are eight suns, S-U-N, not the S-O-N, there are eight suns of Aditi and the eighth one is cast away into the darkness. And it is that sun which is called Martand who is emerging slowly from the night of matter. So, we spoke about the tree with roots hungry for earth and the fingers, the branches turning towards heaven. What it has to do is to invoke the light of heaven so that the roots go deeper and deeper. So far the roots have gone up to the level of life and mind. It must go still deeper and discover that sun which is hidden in matter. And that sun bursts forth from below and creates a spiritual tsunami in our life. When all the ego is drowned, when all our fixed moorings disappear, when the little rooms and cabins in which we are very comfortable, the little securities of life are just taken away from us and what remains is vastness and light and life and truth and the Divine's infinite Ananda. I think we will give a break here. And if there are questions of any kind, we can just take it up. Mm -hmm. some of the bigger ones but mm -hmm. sometimes 
we, you know, it's so easy to think we're we're making progress and going That's on and on, and we're actually absolutely standing true. still. Absolutely true. This is a very, very important question, and this can be answered at different levels. Uh, the very first uh, progress, the very first steps, uh, of course, I mean, you must, you, you, you know it all, but I mean, just for the sake of, we can just share it. Uh, the question is the clues that we are really making progress and going closer to the psychic, because that's a very important thing. And uh, it's very easy for human consciousness to deceive itself by one, some experience that it has actually, you know, arrived. Now, experiences are, firstly, we should know that experiences enrich the consciousness. They are not the same as transformations. So, psychic transformation is when there is a radical change. Whereas experiences are there, off and on we get intimations of the psychic, there is that sudden feeling, that there is sudden outburst of joy, there can be subjective and objective experiences. There can be outbursts of joy which are causeless, which have nothing to do with any external event. There is a peace which is deep inside, you know, when, when this peace comes very early, we are very, we notice it, but when we are identified with it, it becomes part of our nature and we sometimes fail to notice it. Then there is quiet and clarity. There is a constant goodwill in the heart. So these are all signs that one is getting closer to the psychic. But when we come still closer to the psychic, this is the changes in the you know early phases. When we go still closer, then we begin to have a wide God knowledge pouring from above. A deep world knowledge beginning to reveal itself. Things are not what they seem. The truth behind the appearances begin to appear. That's why the psychic is described as a swan, you know, which drinks... Uh, milk and leaves the water. So it, one cannot be deceived. If the psychic light is, is in front, one is not deceived by appearances. For instance, one is not carried away by a great lecture and say, oh wow, wonderful. <laughs> I mean, one, one sees with that light, you know, which is authentic. It, it knows where divinity is. One is not carried away by show of miracles, display of miracles. One knows, there is no logic to it. It knows that, well, this is not divine. It's, it's the same light which helps us to recognize Shurabinda and the Mother. Because if we use this mind, we can never ever understand. And that's why uh, the mother says, my child, don't try to convert anyone. Because she is capable of revealing herself. And she says, what is the sign that one is initiated into this yoga? Just a little digression. She says, I reveal myself to that soul. That's why when we stand before her, we don't just see a human body or somebody born in... France or when we see Shurabindo, we don't think of him as a, a Bengali revolutionary, which many people see him as that. For us, we see him as the divine incarnate. Who has shown us this? This is not the mind's logic. This is a revelation from within, which, uh, I mean, you, you know how, you know the Upanishad describes it as Yam Veshe Vranute, that reveals itself, its own self of bliss. Therefore, when we look at the mother, we feel bliss because it is herself of bliss she has revealed to us. Otherwise, to our matters outward view, oh, she is a, you know, a great, as somebody once told me, oh, she is a very great woman, I understand, she was very organized. Why do you call her the divine? Till the relics came. And when this man who was an uh, avowed atheist but used to come to the center because, you know, he felt nice, just held the relics in his hand and he wept. So I asked him, what happened to you, sir? He says, can't explain. Now, what is this? This is the sign of the soul emerging. So as we get closer, there is a still third level which begins to appear. Not only knowledge, but bhakti. 
all sign of um, all urge for progress comes from the psychic all aspiration to serve the divine comes from the psychic all will to give oneself unconditionally to the divine comes from the psychic it cannot be generated by any artificial means one may tell a person that you know there is a great joy in service and that is what life is meant for it will not awaken it will all be like you know on a rock you throw seeds and they never sprout even if you cover a rock with seeds of light it will not sprout because it's hard rock and um, the moment the rock of matter is ready and the psychic you know when the rock of matter is ready the psychic begins to come in front immediately this is what becomes the goal of life so all urge for progress all authentic knowledge knowledge by inspiration knowledge by intuition intuitive knowledge knowledge that reveals the truth a discriminative knowledge the the bhakti and will for progress the will to give oneself to the divine without asking anything the faith that can stand a thousand tests the faith of the psychic is a faith that can really move mountains even if everything were destroyed around the one who psychic is in front will never doubt the divine there is a beautiful couplet that i was sharing with uh, the children <laughs> so yesterday you know that um, there is a sufi mystic uh, bah uh, bulesha and he describes his relation with the divine when the it's a sign of psychic love he says uh, oh beloved uh, what a beloved you are that with your sword you destroy my ego bits by bits and bits by bits and i have come to love thee in such a way with that with each drop of blood coming out of my body i dance with a greater and greater joy and sing thy name under thy uh, sword under the play of thy sword and that is the state of one who is getting closer to his psychic that every touch however contrary it appears the psychic shows its true significance it knows that this is the clasp of my beloved and it is come to liberate me from my hankerings from my longings from my desires from my hopes from my fears therefore the psychic is fearless another thing the touch of the psychic gives us the certitude of immortality and eternity one breaks free from these limitations of time and space and circumstance and education and country of birth and language one speaks one breaks free from that one spontaneously known oh i have lived always sometime i was born here another time i was born there and who knows in next life one is born somewhere else it doesn't matter one is that and yes while one understands the significance of each place one also understands the significance of one's birth in a particular time and space one is not bound by that one is both at the same time knows its significance independent of one's existence as well as liberated from that simultaneously these are the subjective signs of the psychic emergence it can objectively reveal itself as an experience in the form of a vision of a fire or sometimes a flame a ray of light descending from above as a flower which is in bloom the flower in bloom can mean many things equally it can reveal itself as a baby again baby can reveal many things but usually to the inner vision it reveals itself as a fire or a flame so this is the but this is not so important the more important is the subjective changes and this is the sign that one is identified and that's why in yoga the important thing is one identifies with it now the problem is you see something other than yourself as objectively different but when you identify how does one know so shirbindo gives a very interesting analogy he says how does one know that one is angry you know one knows because one has become anger 
How does one know one is in love? One knows because one has become love. That time we are identified with love. So if somebody asks, how do you know you are in love? I don't see any change. It's very difficult to explain. One can try to think, okay, my heart feels like this. You know, then we are trying to objectivize an identification. So similarly, when one is identified with the psyche, one knows that one is in the psyche because one is identified with it. If one has to explain to people, well, these are the changes begin to take place within oneself and objectively one can express it. And these are obviously intrinsic changes. I mean, no way one can know that what is the goal of a person's life. One may be leading a very so-called uh, normal life, but inwardly burning with the fire to serve the divine. Whereas one may be in an ashram or in a religious institution, but all the time, like, you know, many ashramas, there are senior swamis and uh, junior swami, and if the senior swami is not invited to cut the ribbon, but the junior swami is invited, he feels offended because the hierarchy has been disturbed. But, uh, you know, thanks to Sri Ashram, we don't have such things. So when he came, he was probably, you were expecting somebody in a robe or something. <laughs> so, so we don't have that because that is a play of the ego. It is, and we are all equally her children. And it all depends upon the measure of our inner sincerity. All of us can relate with the divine in that way. There are no mediators. So this is the beauty of the psychic emergence. That it does not deceive itself by appearances. It, it, in fact, Shirobindo says there is also psychic sadness. It is a sadness felt when we see all around us what, what kind of stupidity life and mind are making of themselves. And within us, when life and mind, uh, you know, uh, are fooling themselves, the psychic feels sad. It also gives a kind of inner indication as to the journey of life. And again, there is a psychic sweetness, a charm and sweetness which flows from the being very naturally. There is a very beautiful line in, you know, describing this state of sweetness. It says when uh, um, a person who is psychic is in front uh, and who is devoted to God, uh, you know, he has a particular quality in his consciousness. One, he does not agitate anyone. None is agitated by his presence and he is not agitated by anyone. Now this is very interesting, you know, because one can practice not being agitated by someone. That can come by practice. But how to practice a state that nobody is agitated by you? Everybody feels peaceful and friendly. You know, even the scoundrel and the rascal feels <laughs> comfortable because that is the quality of the psychic sweetness and love. So this psychic transformation is the first step in sadhana. It prepares the matter uh, and makes it ready. And then the next transformation begins, the spiritual transformation, which is often experienced very commonly as a kind of pressure in the head. Sometimes uh, one actually experiences the thrill passing through the whole body and being uh, the descent of light, the descent of force of knowledge, which literally comes right, breaking through the shell into our little, the, the sense of wideness and expansion. So there are the descents of ananda which can thrill the whole being, the descent of love, the descent of shakti, power. So that is the next transformation which proceeds along with the psychic. And finally, of course, the supramental transformation for which the lesser we say, the better it is. But with that comes a constant dwelling in the Divine Mother because one has to be vast enough to dwell in her constantly. That is the three steps of the sadhana. And is this an individual effort or uh, I mean, collective? Yeah, 
because if one person does but there's no uh, support system mm. to encourage that it's difficult to it's even more beautiful you see imagine a scenario i'll give a small story you know uh, um, once mira you know before she got married so she went on an opinion poll survey that is marriage good or bad so she went and asked one of her aunt that auntie i want to get married you are married please tell me about your married life is it good or bad he says uh, my child my i i personally feel marriage is very good because my husband is gem of a person he wakes me up with the morning tea and you know he prepares the breakfast for me and you know when he's gone home uh, and you know the best is uh, when i uh, when he comes back in the evening he doesn't ask me for the tea he goes straight into the kitchen and ask me says nice things gets me a gift and all so mira says this model of man uh, never exist who is this uh, and how why do you say it is very nice he says see because he does all this for me i have time for my sadhana so mira hears it but doesn't quite believe it she says there is something some problem this auntie is trying to just you know um, persuade me to get married so mira goes to another aunt whom she knew had a disturbed life so she asks this aunt aunt you tell me the truth is marriage good or bad she says my child it's excellent you look at my husband he doesn't love me doesn't treat me well he's you know i have to labor all the time for him so the advantage is i don't get attached to him at all <laughs> i just do these things outwardly but inwardly i just leave myself free to love the divine so very frankly it is purely depends on the attitude that we take the outer support systems may be very good and they are not necessarily it means that one progresses in sadhana one may take it uh, you know one may fall into inertia one may take life for granted you know a, a risk that we have to safeguard when we join the ashram or go to the ashram because <coughs> simply because one is surrounded by the divine everywhere one may believe that one is doing sadhana and get into inertia that by the very fact of living and shrubindu uh, warns us of this danger in uh, the human cycle he says for the way that mankind deals mostly with a great ideal is to reduce it to an intellectual system or pay just lip service to it men live under institutions and rapidly and uh, believe that by the very fact of mere fact of living uh, in an institution they don't have to do things which are necessary and they use it even as a justification to do the things which are totally contradictory to the spirit of the institution and why that happens because we believe that okay i have worn the robe now orange robe or white robe or red robe or any robe in the world and now i don't have to because my robe is my guarantee but the robe is a false passport the passport is inside and one can you know so good circumstances so called you know one joins a religious uh, monastery or an ashram basically to progress but everybody is supporting there nobody will tell you you know that's the reason you have gone and everybody is there for that but one may sink into inertia whereas the other scenario one is very far and everything is uh, against and yet precisely because things are against this fire burns silently in the heart because there is none who supports therefore one seeks that support of the divine because all the doors are closed one wants to open this inner door because one feels weak and limited and helpless therefore one seeks the divine strength and light and his support so it depends on our attitude when the psychic is in front it turns every difficulty into an opportunity and obstacles become stepping stones to progress and this is what sadhana is about sadhana we cannot change outer circumstances but we have to change ourselves 
and um, yeah, yes, it is an individual effort altogether. We should not even expect that others will be with us. Um, in fact, uh, Shobindra has a very beautiful line. It's it's nothing to do with outer aloneness. You know, one moves with everyone, but Shobindra says uh, the great are strongest when they stand alone. A God-given force of might is their strength. And no soul is thy companion in the light. Alone thou standest at the eternal doors. This is an eternal truth. This does not mean by any means that one has to disturb the outer life. No. It goes on. How does it matter? You are linked to the entire universe. But inwardly, the one whom you love is the only one. And this is the secret of yoga. How to turn everything to an advantage for inner life. If the Divine wants to give a support, very fine. If, if He wants, uh, like this is a beautiful thing, you know, we are having uh, so many, uh, everyone who is a child of the mother, and it's a joy, it enhances the joy, no doubt. But obviously, one cannot have this all the time. One moves with a lot of people who don't even understand what's going on inside us. And we don't have to tell everybody that this is what is going on inside me. That flame should burn in silence and quietly reach up to the mother. There should be constant hymn of adoration and prayer. And uh, only thing is when situations are like that, one should be more vigilant. That's of course there. So the changes happen to that individual? Obviously. But it has... It, okay, now changes begin in the individual. Now when the changes begin to begin in the individual, it causes a pressure on those who are around. And we can take an analogy of the fire and the wood. Now if there is fire ignited inside, and uh, there is wood around. Now, if the wood is dry, it may catch the fire. So it's possible that the other individual by the, this fire may get you know, into the... But if the wood is wet, it throws up smoke. So it is possible that the other individual may resist. That uh, what is all this yoga and all this you are doing? He may not resist if you are doing other things, if you are doing nonsense. But talk about divine and yoga, there is a resistance. Especially Shurabindo's yoga. It's a subconscious resistance because it's a yoga for establishing the divine on earth. So there is a resistance which comes from other sources. And uh, well, uh, one has to keep the fire. And if the divine wants, the circumstances will change. Otherwise it means he wants us to work like that. So that's how it is. One should not do precipitous things in life suddenly. Because um, sometimes a part of our being does something precipitous. But other parts are not ready. They are still hankering for that. And therefore, you know, one is in a particular situation because a part wants the divine, a part wants something else. So one should allow time to work out. You know, it's important because all these parts have to evolve. They have their own pace. There are parts in our nature which move very fast. There are other parts which are okay, you know, they'll follow. There are others which are like laggards. There are still others which will sit on the way and keep crying, take me along, I cannot walk. There are others which are like block of stone, which will just refuse to budge. Someone has to give time to work through. It is not a yoga where you can just suddenly cut things just like that. So one has to look at, you know, understand life from that wideness. But nothing can, in the end, stop a soul which has once turned to the divine. Nothing can come ultimately in the way of that soul. This is the eternal promise. Nothing. Even if the person turns away, forget about others. The mother says in one of her very touching messages, of course she says, my child, I am with you. When you sink, I don't stand, I sink with you. And uh, 
she says that uh, someone who has you know whom even for a moment has thought of me and has a genuine aspiration for me i hold myself responsible for that person even if he revolts and turns hostile and goes away i hold myself responsible the divine never abandons this is the truth on which sadhana rests that even if the person turns away from the divine the divine will not turn away and we have seen at least you know we all have seen instances in life of people i have seen where people have turned away and for 30 years they have you know been full critical and hostile and suddenly you know something in them awakens and they begin to come back some situation some circumstance some inner change so the divine never abandons he waits patiently to for these parts to get ready and chovindra um, describes it very beautifully in savitri he says uh, regarding you know this drifting away from sadhana which sometimes we are afraid of uh, this too the supreme diplomat can use he makes our fall a means to greater rise for he comes unseen into our darker parts and veiled by the darkness does his work till they to feel compelled uh, till they to feel the need to change so that is why you know uh, this happens in life that one finds oneself surrounded by paradoxes as i was saying the external life is often somewhere a reflection of something going on inside and um, instead of thinking of changing the circumstance one should start here and see and all of us there is no one person you know uh, please we should not go with the idea that some people are privileged and they don't have difficulties and others are have difficult all of us have only the nature of difficulty will be different somebody may have a outer circumstances difficult in the form of a difficult relationship somebody may have difficulty with relation to his job somebody have a difficulty with relation to you know uh, i met a person he says i i am uh, having a problem i am stuck for life why because i purchased a house now who asked you to purchase a house obviously you know something in me wants a house so we should look at things squarely and then move on so it it is always all of us have difficulties because nobody is a siddh we are all aspirants and it's a great mistake to believe that just because i have turned to madhuran shirbindo i become a siddha you know uh, one it's a long journey and only the psychic in us can endure the long journey that's why shirbindo says repeatedly first be sure of the call if the call is not genuine one will go for few years take a few steps and see oh this fine oh let me try buddhism so one goes you know buddhism for some time and then you know one say i think uh, you know that particular new master has come i have heard about that you know somebody in kerala he gives nice things and you know says, okay let me go there then somebody advertises one more master has come and then all this is justified in the name of wideness <laughs> so i am very wide so in the process one reaches nowhere uh, one fools oneself but ultimately one always comes back but it's necessary that we must be sure of the call the path of yoga is a difficult path it is a fire that burns and it can burn very badly so mother used to say keep away from the fire if you are not ready to be turned to ashes it turns the ego to ashes if not today then tomorrow and one should be ready armed with an infinite patience he uses another word as somebody going on a long journey you know we are so impatient with life we want uh, you know as we were talking there spiritual mcdonalds you know fast food the divine has opened a fast food restaurant 
Oh Lord, two years I have been doing this psychic journey. What is, where is my psychic in front? Mother says 30 years one has to seek it. Of course it's a cumulative interest, so past life helps. Divine gives the divine development bonds. So it's cumulative interest. But it's important to understand this long journey. And one has to be very patient. Uh, heaven was not built in a day. And none becomes, you know, the climber to the Mount Everest. In, in, in you know, we are just uh, like toddlers. But this toddler has the capacity to reach there. And we must move on through all the adamantine march goes on. That's, that should be the spirit. That even if I fall or perish, it's better to perish trying to climb Mount Everest than to be in the safe and secure and narrow by lanes. That should be the spirit. Yes. Uh, I understand what uh, the psychic being is, um, but I don't, uh, or I don't really know what uh, Shurubindu means by the self yeah. and Sachitananda in his writing. Right. Is the psychic being the same thing as the self, or basically I want to know what is right. the meaning of self? Okay, right. So, self with a capital S, because there is self with a small s. Uh, we can say that the divine manifests himself as different uh, eternities. So, there is a divinity which has entered into this creation, manifold creation. And behind each particle of creation, there is an imminent divinity inside it. There is the divine presence at its core. Anything, we go inside, it may be a small cell, it may be an atom, it may be anything, uh, in fact that was one of the problems when the atoms were split because splitting of the atom created a difficulty. There are divine particles behind every atom. So this is uh, the imminent divine also called as the Shara Purusha or also we can say it is this imminent divinity which grows up this little seed and becomes the psychic being. Psychic being is when it has gathered the experience of earthly life and knows what earthly life is. Therefore it's it's the mediator divinity between that which is absolute transcendent and this which struggles here on earth. So this is the immanent divine. Now this immanent divine has its base and support in the universal divinity. This universal divine is like the background of the entire creation. It's the silent impersonal support. It is like the sky. If we take the immanent divine as the divinity which is on earth like the little ray, the sky becomes the universal divine, a symbol of the universal divine. That is what is called in tradition as Atman or the self with a capital S. So those who realize the Atman or realize the self, have self-realization, they enter into that silent impersonality. The Riman Maharishi is a prototype of that. You know, a snake uh, fell uh, when he was, you know, sitting and giving discourses at Cobra and everybody, you know, shrinks. But uh, Raman Maharishi sits and looks impassively like a witness. And when somebody asked him, Sir, uh, you didn't feel the fear. What did you feel? He says, but who is he? I mean, he is also the same self. Because that is there is only one self. There are several psychic beings, if may say. Each element has its own individual divine unit supporting its evolution. But the self is only one. So there is the... Chaitya Purush, which is the psychic being, there is the individual Jivatma supporting the psychic evolution and there is the Atma, which is what is traditionally regarded as self-realization and if we pass into have that realization, which is also the realization of uh, the Upanishads and the Taos 
and many other forms of yoga, then one is liberated from the bonds of death and birth. One need not come back uh, because one can fuse with that. Beyond this silent space, self, which is the impersonal support of all, there is the Supreme Beloved, the Sachidananda, uh, you know, who is the being behind all this becoming. He is the Purushottama, which is the highest consciousness that human beings can attain by a process of yoga. So there is this Chaitishatta, there is this um, self or Atman, and there is this Sachidananda or the divine being. Not this becoming, but the being who, whose very nature is a triune unity of Sat, Chit and Ananda or existence, consciousness in bliss. Now where does Sachidananda comes from? He comes from the sheer transcendent who is infinite. That is the Parbrahman. So Sachidananda is a shadow which the Parbrahman brings out of itself, a luminous shadow, if may call it. It's the being that is comes out of Parbrahman. What is beyond Parbrahman? Very simple, he is infinite. There is nothing beyond infinity. So you dig it deeper and deeper, it is infinite. So these are the four levels uh, at which divinity manifests itself. Three at which it manifests in the Parbrahman, we cannot say anything. It is or is not. No, quali no qualification or non-qualification would explain it because it's beyond all these things. And yet it is all these things. It is everywhere, everything, and yet it is nothing. So it is described in uh, all kinds of terms. Uh, some call it the absolute. And uh, these three levels of divinity are there in all, all uh, religions. Uh, when uh, in Christianity it is said the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father is the transcendent Sachidananda. The Son is the psychic, immanent divine who has entered into earth. And Holy Spirit is the universal self, which is one for all. So it is there in all, uh, all religions. Uh, and beyond it is that uh, for which Shurabindo has beautifully, you know, there is a poem called Parbrahman, where he says, he is, we cannot say, nor he is not, for nothing too is a conception of himself. The moment you say he is not, your mind is conceived. Both time and timelessness sink in that sea. Time becomes a wave, space a wandering drop. So what can one speak about that? So these are the three. And one can realize all these three simultaneously. In this yoga all are realized. It's not that one realizes the psyche, one also has the self-realization. That is necessary, you know, that liberates us from the clutch of the lower nature. But one doesn't stop there. One invokes the Satchidananda consciousness in matter. One doesn't just pass into that, one invokes it. So who can invoke? It is the psychic being which can form the link. Because the moment one realizes the psychic being, it's very easy to realize the universal self. Though there are other roads to the self-realization by the sheer power of the mind one can realize by any of these powers but the psychic being simultaneously can be one as the individual divine unit as well as the universal divine which is the self and it is the psychic being because it is the ansh of Sachidananda entering into our existence therefore the nature of psychic is bliss the moment you touch psychic core there is bliss because it is the child of bliss which Shurabindra says Anandasya Putra, Amritasya Putra it is the child of bliss and the child of immortality. So it is the one which can really link like a wire with the Sachidananda consciousness and bring it down. So mother has given a beautiful analogy. She says this nature, outer nature is like a lamp and the divine is the generator and the psychic is the wire that links us to the generator. If you try to link it through the mind, it never works out. Try with the mind to analyze, to intellectualize, to uh, understand the yoga, hear any number of lectures with the mind. 
some work is done, but it is like a hard rock pouring seeds. Uh, <laughs> so it because it doesn't have the capacity, mind vanishes there, it doesn't exist. It cannot lead us beyond a point. That is why mother repeatedly used to say, make the mind quiet and silent and then turn towards the yoga, turn, read Shurabindu's books and it will do its work of light. But mind wants to understand. It doesn't feel comfortable, you know, it wants to first know the map. And this is a great difficulty of the mind. It does not have the power to link itself to the source. But the psychic once it emerges, spontaneously links. That's the beauty. You don't have to tell anything to it. It is like the little child who knows the mother very well. You don't have to give any amount of justification or non-justification. It knows what is divine. Inherently it knows. So the importance of the psychic in sadhana. By the power of the mind, we can pass into the beyond and get liberated, which is the traditional yoga. But it cannot contact the Satchidananda and bring down upon earth. It is just not possible. And therefore, those who have followed this path have denied the possibility of the descent of Satchidananda upon earth because they don't know that here on earth also in the struggling matter there is the divine who is struggling in it. To realize that one has to realize the psychic. There is no other way. So that is, it is called in traditions as Chaitya Purusha and uh, they have a very good sign of the emergence of the psychic. There are many signs. Of course, Shirobindra is given in great detail. But one of the traditional sciences uh, Vidyante Hridagranti Chidyanti Sarvashanse. When this, this heart ring, the strings are cut asunder.